The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, well, we're beginning a new series today called Relation Slips. And if you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 3. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the relationships of our life and how we can position ourselves to get on better footing in relationships and to carry ourselves through those. And, and we're going to be talking, we're going to, it's going to be a broad scope of things we're going to cover over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about marriages. We're going to talk about our relationships between us and our children. Uh, we're going to talk about relationships with our, our coworkers. We're going to be hitting on things every week, hopefully, that will, will reach you at whatever level or whatever place you may be. And I want to encourage you in this, because I know how series like this can go sometimes. Maybe you, you'll, you know, you'll be at home and you'll see on Facebook that the next week we're going to be talking about marriage. And you're like, well, I'm not married yet, so that, that week's not really going to be that helpful for me, so I'm just going to stay home. But what if, here's what I want to propose to you, what if uh, you want to get married someday, right, for those who aren't married, what if this will help you to have a better marriage? Because it will. I, I can guarantee you that. Or, or maybe you're, you're, the week that we're going to talk about kids, that maybe you, maybe you don't have kids yet. And so the tendency is like, well, Pastor Josh, I may skip that week, you know, go, go hit the lake or something like that. Or maybe you're a little older and your kids are out of the house already. Uh, but here's the thing. I think there's, there's always something God wants to show us in whatever subjects we're talking about. Maybe God wants to show you uh, maybe some, some, st- some things that happened in your relationship with your parents, maybe how you were raised, and bring some freedom to some things that you maybe have been hung up with in your life. Here's what I'm trying to say. I believe God wants to minister to you every week throughout this series. So I want to encourage you to be here every week because we're going to build and build and build. And I believe that God wants to, to help us, to strengthen us in our relationships so we can carry out the causes that he has for our life and also impact the world in the way that he's called us to do it, okay? So make sure you are here. Now, we're calling this series Relation Slips because relationships can be a, a kind of a slippery slope to navigate sometimes. You ever notice that? You know, when, when you enter into relationships, there's, there's so many different factors that, that come in, you know, that play into how relationships go. There's, there's the relationship between man and woman, you know, in a, in a marriage or just in how we relate to each other. Uh, the female mind versus the male mind. Guy, how many guys would agree with me? Sometimes we cannot figure out the female mind, right? Amen? Uh, there's relationships between, say, parent and child, where, you know, we're trying to relate to them and reach them at their level and communicate with them. Uh, there's generational gaps that we deal with. Maybe you're a part of the older generation and you're trying to relate to the younger generation or that you're a part of the younger generation and you're trying to relate to the older generation, draw wisdom from them. So there's, there's all these factors that play into it. And then beyond that, we get into the, the, the specifics of each person and, how, and the things that we've had to deal with in our life. Maybe your past affects your relationships in some way, or maybe the beliefs that you formed throughout your life that cause you to look at the world the way you look at it. Uh, maybe some of the, the experiences that you've had where you've been let down in relationships cause you to be affected in your relationships, and hurts and disappointments and worldviews and all these things. We can see that through these things, it, it makes it easy for us to see relationship slips take place where we, 
we slip out of good communication with each other and we kind of fall into these, these bad places. So relationships can be difficult. I think we would all agree with that. But here's the thing. They may be difficult if you're in them, but it's not an option to not be in them. We, we need relationships in our life. Beyond the relationship with God, which obviously is the number one relationship that, that every one of us needs to have, we need relationships with other people. And, and you've probably seen in the news before that when people are isolated and don't have relationships with other people, they blow up buildings and stuff, right? It's not good for man to be alone. In fact, if you look at the Bible, the first problem that God ever addressed was the problem of loneliness, that Adam was placed into the Garden of Eden, and he was in this perfect place with a perfect relationship with God. Everything was exactly perfect. There's no sin. There's, no, there's nothing bad. And yet God looked at that, and he said, it's not good. In fact, Genesis 2.18 says, God says this. He looks at man. He says, it's not good that man is alone. And realize, man had a relationship with God at that point. He was talking about his relationship with other people. It's not good for us to be alone. So outside of relationships is not good for us and can be painful and can be hurtful, but, but inside relationship can be difficult too. And I was, I've been studying this over the last few weeks and kind of looking at relationships. And as I've been thinking about them, there was two major factors that kind of stood out to me as being the major issues or major problems that cause us to have relation slips. Two, two things that I think stand out as being the major causes of most of the problems that we have in relationships. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down with me. The number one thing is that relationships involve people. You ever notice that? That relationships involve people, at least they should, right? They do. And, and, and here's the thing about people. People are not perfect. People make mistakes. People mess up. People can make relationships very hard, Right? Because kind of what I was talking about earlier, we're raised in different ways. We have different opinions, and some of us have strong opinions. And we don't understand why you like being wrong. We don't get it. I, you know, I don't, my, if your opinion differs from mine, I see that as you're wrong sometimes. And I have to work through that, okay? Because that's not healthy for me. But we have these things, and, and then people can get moody, Right? People can get cranky and tired, and people can have annoying habits that get on our nerves. Um, people can say the wrong things at the wrong time. People can take jokes too far. People can do things around the house that get on your nerves, like they don't know how to put the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll after they use it. It just sits there, and it's like, you know, two more moves here, and we got it on the, right, the roll. Anybody else this bother you? Uh, toothpaste, right? There's a way to do this. You don't squeeze the toothpaste in the middle like you're testing your grip strength. We, we roll it up from the back, right? But some people don't do that that way, and that can cause us to have relational issues. Amen, Sarah? Amen. But beyond that, there, there's, bigger, there's bigger issues. Um, sometimes people are not as committed in relationship as maybe we are. Uh, sometimes people will will not be there when you need them to be there. Sometimes people will betray you. Sometimes people were never there to begin with. And I know there's people in here that maybe that's your story. Maybe your dad wasn't there, or your, your mother wasn't there, or somebody wasn't there. And that, that has affected every part of your life. Relationships are a big deal. 
past relationships can affect the way we move into the future relationships that we have. And so people can cause relationships to be difficult. But listen, we need people. And we need good, godly relationships. So we got to move past that. The number two factor that can be a big issue when it comes to relationships is that we have an enemy in, a, that, that opposes our relationships. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Satan is the enemy of relationships. The Bible says this in John 10, 10. It tells us that Satan's agenda is to steal, kill, and to destroy. 1 Peter 5, 8 describes Satan as our enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Uh, the devil, Satan, is not some fairy tale idea that the Bible put together. It's not something that... that Parents tell their kids to try to keep them from doing the wrong thing. He really does exist. The Bible is clear about that. And he lives in this world and he, he hates you. I'm sorry to tell you that, but he hates you. And he wants to destroy your life. And one of the ways he begins to work on destroying your, your life is he tries to isolate you. He tries to, to, to get into your head and, and get you to look at people and think about people the wrong way. And he seeks to, to ruin you. Now, I'm not saying all this... To, to, to glorify the devil, okay? I'm not trying to make him out to be something that you cannot overcome because here's the reality. Jesus conquered Satan. And, and Jesus has given us authority. The Bible talks about this. Where we can walk in victory over the enemy of our life. We can walk in victory. So I'm not saying this to try to scare you. I'm saying this because I want to warn you. In the same way that, let me, let me give you a scenario. Let's say that, that you were moving into my neighborhood, Okay? And you're going to be my new next door neighbor. And so you're moving in. And I'm, I'm watching you and your family move in. And we've introduced ourselves to you. And we notice that you have some little kids. And, and your little kids are running around. Well, I know something about the neighborhood that maybe you don't know. I know that at the end of our block is a person who has been convicted of child molestation. It, they've gone to prison for this. They've been convicted of it. They know this. Now, I'm not, this isn't a real scenario here. I'm just giving you a scenario. But I know this, and you don't know it, and you have little kids. I'm going to come up to you, and I'm going to tell you about this. I'm going to say, hey, I want you to be aware of this, because I see your little kids, and I want you to be protected. I don't want anything. I'm not saying it to scare you. I'm saying it to help you so that you can be ready for whatever could come, so you can protect yourself properly. In the same way, what I'm talking about today is about protecting yourself properly, because there is an enemy of your life. And, and the Bible is clear. He hates you and wants to ruin your life. And so we have to be prepared. And so today, really, this message, this first message, is we kind of lay the groundwork for relationships and what it means to have godly, good relationships in our life. I want to talk about one of the enemy's chief tactics in trying to ruin our relationships. And I want to kind of to kind of expose it for what it is because I believe that if we can see this and, and learn to move past this, it will change everything about our relationships. Okay, so Genesis chapter three, I had you turn there. Now this is the, this is the first relation slip in the Bible. Uh, the fall of man had to do with relationships and with, with the enemy deceiving Adam and Eve and getting them to believe something that wasn't true and getting them to think the wrong way about their creator, God, and their father and this loving being that was there for them. 
So Genesis chapter 3, and may I remind you, this is Adam and Eve. They're in this perfect place, perfect everything. God has set them up for success. Everything is going along really well. Uh, They live in this perfect environment with one rule and one rule only, which is to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, he's talking to Eve here, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So right away, what we see here is that Satan comes at Eve and he begins to, to, to start to talk to her and get her to question God and question what God has said. But, but really his motive here is to get her to question God's motives, to get her to question why what, what was behind God saying this? That maybe God is not, it's not a rule to protect them, it's a rule to keep them from something he doesn't want them to have. And so he, he starts to plant this idea. I want you to notice this. He says this, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the answer to that is, is yes and no. And I want to take you back one chapter, Genesis 2.16, where God actually made this statement, where he told them, this law that he wanted them to walk under. He said this, this is God talking. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now here's what I want you to see. When God presented this to them, he presented it with the emphasis on what they could freely do, what was theirs. The emphasis wasn't on what they couldn't do, it was on what they could do. But Satan twists it and turns it and starts to get them thinking and puts the emphasis on what you can't experience. Now, let me, I was thinking about this this week and I kind of thought of it like this. I love to go to Disneyland. We love, my family loves to go to Disney. But there are parts of Disney that I'm not allowed to go into. There are areas in Disney where the cast goes that are kind of behind the scenes areas of Disney that I'm not allowed to go into. And there are signs that say, you know, cast members only and do not enter. And there are cameras there to stop you if you try to go into that area. Now, I could go to Disneyland and walk around and be upset about where I can't go. Or <laughs> I can enjoy all of the awesome stuff that I can, right? Now, this is what God presented to them. Hey, this is all your freely enjoy all this stuff. This is enjoy it. Live it up. This is, I've made all this for you. It's a gift. But they're looking, but Satan is starting to say, but what if what's behind those doors? What if what's being, what's, what you're told you shouldn't experience, what if that, what if that's real freedom? What if that's real joy? What if? Verse two, this is Eve's response. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, now look at this, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, now you may not see this yet, and I had to do a lot of study this week. I've been digging into Hebrew here, which, by the way, the Old Testament, for those of you who don't know, is written in the Hebrew language. The New Testament is written in the Greek language. And the Hebrew language is a very... uh, is a deeper language than what we understand. In Hebrew, not only is there the word, but there is word pictures that are associated with the words in Hebrew. And then there's numeric value tied to that. So when you're reading Hebrew, there's way more there that we don't always understand and see as we look at it in our English language. But, but people of these days that understood this, they could see some of that. They, and when you study it this way, you can see the depth of what's going on here. 
So, so Eve is missing the mark here in what God is saying. Let me show you the first thing she misses. Eve says this. She says, we may eat of the, free, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But this is what God said. Of, the, of every tree in the garden, you may freely eat. Now, you see the difference there? It's one word, right? Freely. But it's a big word. And here's why. Eve has already began to diminish the gift that has been given. She's not seeing the gift for what it is. She's quoting back the, the rule and the law, but she's not quoting it back the way God told her. Now, may I remind you, this is the only rule they have. How is she not able to quote this back perfectly? It's because there's something going on in her mind. Now, let me also say this about this story. We read these verses, and we read it kind of one after the other, and we think this is like a 10-minute moment here. But theologically, uh, we don't really know how long this took. This could have taken months for all of this to go down. This could have taken years. This could have taken decades for this all to carry out. And I'll show you where I believe that to be true here in just a moment. But she's diminishing the love of God for her. She's diminishing what the garden is and the gift that it is. Now look at verse 3 again. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God didn't say anything about touching it. He didn't say you couldn't touch it. Let let me read it to you again. Genesis 2, 16. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. Is there anything about touching there? No, there isn't. And and she is missing it here. And, and, And I want you to also see this. When you study this in the Hebrew, and I know I'm going deep here today, but I want you to follow me because this is big. I want you to see this. When you study this out in the Hebrew, she believed that if she ate of the fruit of that tree, she would drop dead physically and how she interpreted this. But when you go back to Genesis 2.16 and you read it in the Hebrew, what God said is you will physically be, or spiritually be separated from me and you will spiritually die, which will lead to a physical death. But she believes that if she eats of that tree, she's going to die immediately. But beyond that, notice she says, if I touch it. She believes that if she just touches that that fruit, that she's going to drop dead physically. And you can see how she doesn't know the word, really. And this is a huge problem. And this is a problem for us sometimes, guys. We don't really know the word. And since we don't know the word, we allow, we give, we give way for the enemy to come in and start to get us to question the word, question what God is saying in the word. We get to start looking at what we can't do and it, it starts to become binding and restrictive to us. And we start to think, if I just could lay off the shackles of this religion, there's something else out there. And so Satan comes at us like he does with Eve and he doesn't give these huge lies, he gives these half-truths. And he begins to lead us down a path of believing a certain way, of thinking a certain way, so that he can steal away ultimately what it is God wants to have with us, which is relationship, which is a close connection. And so he puts these doubts in her and gets her to question all this. Maybe what God is saying isn't true. Maybe God is is trying to keep something from me. And she starts to magnify the command over the person of God that she knows that she's been walking with. She lives in this perfect place with Adam in a perfect relationship, and somehow this is all going down. Now look at verse 4 here. The serpent said to the woman, look at what he says, you will not surely die. And you know what? When he quotes this back to her, he says, you will not surely physically die. And he's right, because he knows that. But look at what he goes on to say here. 
It says, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God's not just holding out on you. He's trying to keep you from something. Satan's giving her these half-truths. You know what? That's true. Again, God knows if you, you don't know evil. They know nothing of evil. We can't even comprehend this. They, they, they don't know any evil. They've, they've never experienced shame. Sin has not entered the world. They've never experienced fear. They've never known any of this stuff. But Satan is kind of presenting it to them like, this evil that God's not letting you experience, that's something you're missing out on. And they don't know enough to know because they don't know the word. Verse six, now look at this. This is interesting. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now how does she see that the tree was good for food? She saw something, maybe eat of that tree. Maybe she saw an animal eat of that, the fruit of that tree at one point. Maybe, maybe that she saw the serpent eat of that tree, but something led her to believe that's good for food. And again, we don't know the timeline. She could have been watching this for a long time, observing other animals and other things that don't have a spiritual connection to God eating of this tree. Look what it goes on to say. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that that phrase pleasant to the eyes is the idea of lust. Now, it's not lust because sin hasn't entered the world yet. But what, what happened was she began to look at it and she was thinking about it. I wonder what that would be like. I wonder if I really would I wonder what, what I'm missing out on. These questions are coming to her mind. And she said, and it goes on to say, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. Look at this. She took of its fruit and ate. When it says she took, it, it means she took it in hand. And I couldn't help as I was studying this week to wonder how this went down. You know, she, she believes that if she touches it, she'll physically die. I wonder if it was just a, touching the fruit with her fingertip and then a little bit more and then grasping it with her hand and then pulling it off of the tree and now she has it in her hand and she's still alive because she hasn't broken the law yet but she thinks she has and isn't it just like the enemy and this how he works he's deceptive gets you to take little steps and little steps over a long time start to lead you way way off the path. So she takes the fruit, she takes it in her hand, and she ate. And it goes on to say, she also gave some to her husband with her. (laughs) Adam was there. He was there, guys. He was there the whole time. And he is very passively silent up to this moment. And it says, and he ate. And then it says this, and this is one of the saddest verses in in the Bible, the next couple of verses. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and that's not a good thing. Their connection to God was broken. Their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Why did they make these coverings? Because for the first time in their life, they're terrified. They've never experienced fear before. And now fear and shame and distrust and all of those 
Those things that go along with sin that we've all experienced are hitting them for the first time in their life. They have walked to this point in a perfect relationship with God and with each other. With him governing over them, there's a connection there and all of a sudden the connection is severed. And now they're looking at each other and they're, and they're afraid. Look at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of day. They've heard this hundreds of times. Who knows how many times they've experienced this with God. And they hear him walking. And look at what they do. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They, they hid from God. All they've ever known of God is goodness and love, perfect love. All they've ever known is, is this amazing connection. And in this moment, they're hiding and you know why they're hiding? Because they think God is going to kill them. Because remember, they believe that if they physically touch this, they're going to die. And now they've touched it, and they haven't died yet. And so now the thought, the fear, as this progresses, you see the evilness of sin. Now they're afraid of the very life giver, the one who's been nothing but good of, to them. They're afraid of him and believe that because of, because of temptation, which led to sin, which led to all of these different these different feelings and emotions that are wrong that they should never experience because of that, now they're afraid that the God who has shown them nothing but love is going to murder them. Is this not like the saddest thing? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine, like with my own children, them being afraid that I would ever physically hurt them. And I am far from perfect, right? And God is perfect, and He's done nothing but good, and yet they're afraid of Him. It's so sad. And so verse 9, it goes on. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Now know this. God knows exactly where they are. He, he, he knows everything. But what I want you to see here is that from the very beginning, when sin first entered into this world, we see that God is pursuing people. And it's the story of the Bible. We sin. We mess up. We, we, we get deceived. We sin, and then we hide. And God comes, and he says, hey, Come back. What happened? I want to fix this. I want to be close to you. I want to be with you. Verse 10. This is Adam talking after God says, where are you? I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said in a very masculine way, the woman whom you gave to be with me. Well, God, you gave her to me, right? She gave me the tree and I ate. So God, listen, this, is, this isn't my fault. It's the woman's fault. And really, it's kind of your fault. I mean, you made her look this good, right? And she's been making me meals. And she brought me some food. And I do what guys do, right? You girls bring the food and the guys eat it, right? That what? That's a joke, but anyways... It goes on to say this, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is, what is this you have done? And in like fashion, she said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Shame, blame, it's the story of, of our lives. It's the story of the sin-filled world that we, we all step into. And what's sad here is that Satan was able to break man's relationship with God and in doing so also break man's relationship with each other. 
by simply deceiving them. We see here in verse 7 that they covered each other. Yes, they covered each other. They covered themselves in these fig leaves to hide because they saw themselves in a different way, but they also looked at each other in a different way. For the first time in their life, they see selfishness in each other. They, they, they're thinking with this mind that's no longer perfect. And they're seeing all the things that would cause them to feel inadequate. And they begin to hide away, like all of us do in relationships. We see things about ourselves that make us uncomfortable, that we, we, we don't want other people to see. And so we, we try to hide those things away. We try to cover those things up. And once their connection with God gets broken, this, this foundation of this covenant-keeping love that they had together collapses around them and begins to fall apart. And it all came about because of deception. A few months ago, my wife Sarah came to me and she'd, she'd been in a time of worship. Uh, and, and in this moment of worship, God spoke to her, which can happen. God speaks to us. We believe that here at New Song Church. And, and God said something to her and he said this to her. He said, stop letting the devil interpret the people in your life to you. Stop letting the devil interpret the people in your life to you. It's such a powerful statement. You know, I, and I, I've, I've been in church my whole life, and I've learned a lot about how God will try to interpret us to ourselves, right? Like, most of you probably know, if you've been around church, that we look at what the Word says about us, and that's what we believe. And, and so when, when the enemy comes at us and tries to make us feel inadequate and tries to blame us uh, and, and bring back our old lives and our past and our sins and our mistakes and our failures, that we're to go to, to the word of God and we're to remind ourselves of who God says that we are. And I've gotten pretty good at that in my life. I, I've learned that I've got to do that. But I wonder sometimes if the enemy does the same thing with the people that we love. And if we're not as intentional to shut down those words. He would try to bring against us that try to separate us from the people that we love. You see, Satan is a bad interpreter. And what he wants to do is he wants to come into your life and he wants to interpret the people in your life to you in ways that make you question who they are and what they're about and what their motives are so that you begin to pull away from them and not want to be connected with them in the right way. And he does it in, in, in the most simple ways. And my friends, we, we cannot allow him to be trusted to be our interpreter. The first relation slip that we see in scripture had to do with the enemy coming to Adam and Eve in this perfect place and deceiving them. And see, Satan, he's gonna use words, he's gonna use these lies, he's gonna begin to build this stuff up inside of you to try to get you to believe his language, his, his native language that he speaks in, and that is this, the language of lies. John eight forty four says this, when he lies, talking about the devil, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan's a liar, and he wants nothing more than to separate you from the people that you love by lying to you and keeping you from having that close connection that you should have with them. He knows how to take your, your thoughts and, and plant thoughts inside of your head that, that you begin to nurture and that begin to grow and that begin to build something that causes a wall to come between you and causes you to, to step away or walk away from people that you were once so close with or, or that God wants you to walk with day in and day out. And I wonder sometimes if I do this, I wonder sometimes if we do this, do we, do we allow Satan to interpret the people of our lives to us? And I believe that we do. 
And he gradually persuades us to nurture these offenses which cause us to lose the close connection. It happened to Adam and Eve and it costs them dearly. And it happens to us too. The enemy comes in and he interprets the people that we love and he costs us dearly. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking of relationships that have become relation slips in your life. People that you were once close to that you're no longer close to. And maybe there's things in your head that you go, well, they did this or they, I think they did this, maybe. And so many of those things happen and come about because we allow the enemy to interpret these relationships to us. So what do we do? What's the answer? What's the key to fixing this problem? I want to give you three quick things as we close out the service today. Three things that you can do to to stop these relations slips from taking place. The first thing is this. Number one, believe the best. Believe the best. We have to make a choice that we are going to believe the best about the people that are in our life. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 says this. Love, talking about the love that we have in a connection with God. It says this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It, now look at this part. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything Without weakening. This verse tells us that love chooses to believe the best about people. That, that this love that it's talking about here gives people the benefit of the doubt. And so often this is a major problem for us. When something happens, we go to those worst places because we allow the enemy to come in and start to write a script inside of our mind of what that person might be thinking or what they might be doing or what their intentions might be when the reality is we don't really know. And it sounds silly, but it can be something as simple as this. You come in, wife, your, your husband, you come into the kitchen and you look in the sink and you see his cereal bowl sitting there in the sink. And all of a sudden, the enemy starts to interpret this to you. He doesn't care about you. He's not thinking about it. He just looks at you as his servant. You'll clean up his mess. You'll take care of it. He, whatever, it's, just, it's your job. He doesn't know how busy you are. He doesn't know what all is going on in your world. When in reality, here's what was going on. The guy was putting his bowl in the sink And the thunder highlights came on. And so he dropped his bowl and ran to see the thunder highlights and then forgot it was there. And and it sounds silly, right? And it is. But this is how it works. These little things, these little interpretations that we take and we run with, they cause us to miss out. And if we would just have a heart that says, you know what, I'm going to believe the best of these people. I'm going to believe that their intentions are good for me. I'm going to believe that, that if this happens, that it was just a mistake or it was, a, it was something, it was no big deal. I'll bring it to their attention and we'll talk about it. But I'm going to believe the best and love them. And I'm going to put the enemy's voice down and believe the best about them. At the beginning, listen, you may have to work at this. You may have to really be intentional. But I believe this over time, as you begin to to make the choice to believe the best, that God will begin to help you to think that way all the time. And you begin to see the goodness in the people that are around you. Listen, if you're in here today and you have a relationship with, and maybe it's a marriage relationship, and your spouse is a deadbeat, what are some positive things that you can begin to think about then? I remember my mom talking about when, when my dad and her were early on and married my dad was running down the road of alcoholism uh, before they were when they're just getting started in their Christian walk before my dad was saved and my mom would just begin to see him as God saw him 
She began to believe the best about him. She began to magnify who he could be, what he was capable of, instead of where he was at the time. And it began to put faith in her. And he became who she believed he could become. What if we believe the best? What if we believe the worst? What's that going to do? Really? Is it going to make you feel any better? No. So let's believe the best. Number one. Number two, talk to the person. Hello, right? Talk to people. If someone does something and you don't quite understand it, you're not sure what they're thinking, go talk to them about it. Look at this. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 7 says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Amen? Listen for God's voice in everything you do, in everything you do. Everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Now look at this last part. Don't assume that you know it all. How many problems in our relationships could be solved if we would quit assuming that we knew it all and we would just go to the people that we have offenses with and just talk to them. And when I say talk to them, I'm not saying go to them and scream at them. Don't go to them and beat them over the head with it. Go to them and in a loving way, like the Bible talks about, speak the truth in love and say, hey, what's going on here? Was this what I think it is? Or is this, am I missing it here? I can't tell you how many times in my relationship with Sarah that one of us would go to the other and talked about something that we were misinterpreting. And when, we, when she came to me and asked me about something or when I went to her, we would be like, no, that wasn't what I was doing at all. But see, the devil works in darkness. He wants to keep you in the dark. He doesn't want you to talk about this stuff. He wants to, to build these walls and, and work in the darkness to keep you from having the freedom that he wants you to have in your relationships. So don't let it. Expose those things. Bring them out into the light. Communicate with each other. Communicate with the people that you're in relationships with. Friends, coworkers, employees, whoever it may be, communicate. I'm telling you, it will change your life. And number three, last one. Choose your interpreter. Choose your interpreter. I want to tell you something today, and this is the good news for you today. Yes, the enemy wants to be your interpreter, but so does God. And he's given you the word to help interpret the things in this world. But beyond that, he's given you the Holy Spirit to help you. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you're new to the church, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to some of our podcasts because we've been laying foundations for what we believe at this church for weeks now. And a couple weeks ago, we had a series called Upgrade. And in that series, the last message was called Upgrade Your Everything. And in that series, I talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how that God has given us a helper, the Bible describes, that, that came here that is greater that he's here than Jesus being here. And in John 16, verse 33, it says, when the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. Listen, God, the Spirit of God wants to guide you into truth. He wants to help you to see beyond the deception and the lies of the enemy. He wants you to see the truth for what it is because the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free in your relationships. Freedom is huge in your relationships. It'll change the game for you. So don't listen to the enemy. Choose that you're going to listen to what the word of God says. You're going to speak it over yourself. You're going to speak it over the people in your life. You're going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you and be sensitive to what he wants to say and allow him and allow the word of God to interpret the people of your life. Amen? Now listen, I wish I could say that you do some of these things and all your relations slip problems are going to be solved. But the reality is because of what we talked about earlier, the first factor in relationships, which is people... 
you're still going to have problems in relationships. You're going to have people that make the wrong choices, that do the wrong things, that let you down, that betray you, even if you're perfect in your relationship to them. And listen, you won't be, but even if you were, you'd still see betrayal take place. And here's how I know it. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible said, was sinless, was perfect, never made a mistake. He was relationally perfect. And yet there's this guy named Judas Iscariot that was one of his 12 disciples that was with him just like the other 12. Every step of the way, got the same teaching, everything. But somewhere in there, the enemy got to him and began to interpret Jesus the wrong way to him. Listen, the enemy's good at this. May I remind you that a third of heaven fell because of how he interpreted God to them. A third of heaven, the angels, a third of the angels in heaven fell and declared war on each other because Satan interpreted God to them in the wrong way. And he got Judas to believe this lie about Jesus. But here's what I want you to see. Let's look at how Jesus responded to him. This is beautiful. In the moment when Judas was coming to put basically the knife in the back of Jesus, so to speak, this is how Jesus responded to him. Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 50, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. And then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him and they carried him away to the cross. But I want you to see something. Jesus said in that moment, he said, my friend. Jesus loved him to the end. He loved him in the middle of being betrayed by him. And listen, people will betray you. People probably have betrayed you. You're probably here today thinking of somebody right now that's betrayed you, that's let you down. And here's what you do to fix it. You forgive them. And I know it's not easy. Sometimes it takes a few times. The Bible talks about casting your cares and sometimes it's like fishing. Lord, I cast this care out to you and I'm, I'm done with it. I'm not gonna pull it in anymore. I'm leaving it there. Dang it, here it is again. Okay, this time I'm casting it out there and I'm not gonna take it back anymore. I'm leaving it there. Sometimes it takes a while. Listen, I've, I've, I've been betrayed. I've been let down. It was painful. But I chose to forgive. And listen, beyond that, I chose to repent for unforgiveness. You realize that, that unforgiveness is a sin? And we need to repent. And maybe you're here today and there's some unforgiveness in your life that you're having, a tr- you're having a hard time getting over it. And maybe it's because you've never truly gone to God and said, God, would you forgive me for not forgiving this person? And that may be blowing your mind right now like it did mine when I first heard of it. But there's a freedom that God wants to walk you in in relationships. If you would, would you bow your heads and close?